Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsella podcast, where we look at small parties, groups and independents that have contested Irish elections over the years. This week, we look at the Cork Unemployed Association, as well as the Cork Unemployed Party, with kind of a continuation of the same group. They existed in the 30s and 40s in Cork and had uh, Doyle candidates and ran in the Cork municipal elections where they were um, had one success. Thanks to everybody who subscribed to the podcast. If you, uh, you could leave reviews uh, and especially share episodes. And indeed, there's loads of episodes there to listen to. So if you want to listen to older episodes, please do if you haven't done so. Thanks especially to those who subscribe to the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash electionlit. And it's, you know, it's great, great to have people supporting the podcast and the website. Um, so it's, it's, I'd like to think it's worthwhile, but it's a, if you can subscribe, it'd be fantastic. If you want to get in contact with me, I'm at Election Lit on Twitter, Irish Political Ephemera on Facebook, Irish Election Literature at gmail.com, and Irish Election Literature.com is the website. Thanks. There was quite a large number after of unemployed people in the country after the War of Independence. And there'd been unemployed, there was national insur what was known as national insurance. There was various schemes. Um, for looking after the unemployed and the destitute and so on. Some were in local authorities, but some uh, were central, such as what was known as um, national insurance, unemployment insurance. This was, if you, I suppose it was like stamps these days, in that if you had been working for a certain period, and the, the, also the employer paid a bit in and you paid a bit in, and then if you had been working for a period, you were entitled to unemployment, to get your unemployment assurance. It was capped at 15 weeks though, so in effect you could only go in the dole 15 weeks um, in a row and you had to be working. And needless to say, funny enough, like employers groups and so on came out against it saying, you know, it would add to overheads and make people not work and so on and so on. Um, it, that was actually extended, um, like the, if you think of the size of the army, the Free State Army um, during the Civil War and then how many people were demobilised, demobbed, unemployment was actually very, very large in the mid-twenties. And actually um, that led to the change of occupations um, that, that allowed national insurance payments. Um, and, and allowed unemployment benefits because obviously all these ex-soldiers have to be looked after. Now the government also ran various schemes to, uh, relief schemes, to get people in, into work. Um, there was a road scheme, there was the reconstruction of Dublin, allowing individuals wishing to carry out, out work under the Housing Act, uh, the renewal of drainage schemes, and of course the continuance of the division of estates by the land commission and also you have the red scare in that um as richard Corsh of the labor party said in 1925 the unemployed are a serious menace to the state 
They are susceptible to the influence of people who would exploit the unemployed in the interests of their own particular policy. The minimum number of benefit weeks went from was increased from 15 to 26 within any one year. So this led to um, the setting up of various un national unemployed, the National Unemployed Association in the 20s uh, to represent the unemployed. And we got a report of one of their public meetings in 1926. Dublin Unemployed, latest movement programme of action. The National Unemployed Association held a public meeting yesterday in College Green, Dublin. Two platforms were provided and speeches delivered from each, but the combined meetings did not interfere with vehicular traffic. The red flag was very much in evidence. Mr. Cannon, who presided at one platform, said invitations had been sent to all elected representatives, but none had attended but the Republican and Fianna Fáil TDs. Mr. T. Johnson had not even replied, and Mr. Norton TD had written that he was attending two meetings in his own constituency. Mr. Sean Lamass TD said that the, said the unemployed in Dublin were strong enough in numbers to oust any member of the party supporting the government at the general election next year. Madam Markiewicz TD said the only solution of the unemployment problem was an Irish workers' cooperative republic. Mr. P.J. Brady said there was some hope for the unemployed when they had got together on one platform representatives of Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil. Ms. Helena Maloney also spoke. At the second platform, Mr. C.M. Fergus presided and the speakers were Messrs. Rowell, Sean McEntee, R.J. Connolly, O. Trainer TD and Mrs. Sheehy Skeffington. The speakers made a denunciation of the government and advocacy of a people's republic. Programme of action. A series of resolutions were declared carrying at each meeting, protesting against the famine conditions prevailing in the city and county, and the indifference of the government, and demanding work or maintenance at full trade union rates for all. The programme of action was announced as immediate speeding up of present housing schemes and the starting of new schemes immediate operation of road, drainage and afforestation schemes, pending work schemes, immediate payment of unemployment benefit, plus outdoor relief to bring unemployment benefit to the trade union rate, the stamps qualification for unemployment benefit to be cancelled, proof of unemployment to be the only qualification, no rent to be paid while unemployed, no arrears to be paid, organised resistance to all evictions, Application to all trade unions to have unemployed workers kept in full membership without pay payment of subscriptions. Cooperation with all trade unions to prevent blacklegging and repudiation of all annuities and of all men money lenders' debts. And you, it's interesting there, 1926, and you have Fianna Fáil there as part of this... Um, National Association of the Unemployed, and they're quite prominent, you know, Oscar Trainer, Sean Lamass, Madame Markiewicz, and so on. So it was quite a, uh, I suppose they were seen as the, the great hope for the unemployed, and were speaking up at these rallies. But it, the, even from the demands there, you can see it was a pretty grim situation. And as I say, there was kind of a fear 
in the government of the the idle lazy poor uh, against the genuine job seeking poor person i suppose the, the the unemployment benefit would be paid to the deserving poor but it, it wasn't just unemployment benefit people, people wanted to work and if you know people wanted these schemes you know the drainage reclamation building schemes and people wanted to work didn't want to get unemployment benefit for nothing and of course there was controversy too in that employment officers who were charged with administering the legislation on the ground on the unemployment were regularly suggesting to claimants um, of unemployment insurance that you know if there were if they had difficulty securing work in ireland then there was work to be had in britain belfast or other areas in northern ireland and sean the mass in 1930 um said i was told that workers who became unemployed and desired to claim benefit were not treated as insured persons receiving benefits for which they had paid premiums but as paupers seeking charity so this this business of actually being entitled having worked and being entitled to unemployment benefit so at this stage in the early 30s benefits were low applied only to insured classes and those not covered by insurance relied on poor law relief in the form of home assistance and this poor law relief was given out by local authorities as far as i'm aware so you wouldn't want to have been unemployed and of course at that stage too you had the great depression so things um with regard to unemployment and indeed prospects for immigration like to the states and stuff became harder the you know the the standard release valve for ireland now there were old age pensions and also blind pensions um which were they were introduced i think in 1908 so they were they were already there but uh, you certainly wouldn't have got rich on them. So in 1932, Fianna Fáil came into government for the first time. Like in 1926, de Valera um, had written that unemployment and emigration, if allowed to continue, would so cripple this nation that there can be little hope for it in the immediate future at any rate. Work must be found. I have repeatedly stated that I hold it is the primary duty of the modern state to ensure that every man who is able and willing to work will have work so that he may earn his daily bread. Fianna Fáil set to work to try and come up with something for the unemployed. Um, the inadequacies of the existing provisions for the unemployed, the unemployment insurance, public work schemes and so on. And Sean Lamass, I think, was in charge of this. The bill introduced in June 1933 or, or August 33 uh, by Sean Lamass was that all able-bodied persons who are involuntarily unemployed and have either no means at all or insufficient means to maintain themselves and their dependents should be given a statutory right to assistance. The Act provided the payment of unemployment assistance to all nationals between the age of 18 and 70 whose means were within certain prescribed limits. 
I think it was £52 per year in the county borough and boroughs of Dunleary and 39 per year elsewhere. Um, and once the necessary conditions were met, qualification certificates were issued by unemployment assistance officers with an unemployment appeals committee and so on. So it was a huge step forward. In the early 30s, unemployed associations uh, sprung up all over the country. It was uh, obviously a big one in Dublin, which there were regular mass protests looking for various things. Um, there was ones in Waterford, Nina, Tune, Limerick, and of course, and Cork. And uh, they were literally all over the country, um, unemployed associations. And we read about the Cork Unemployed Association in 1932. A meeting of the Cork Unemployed Able-Bodied Men's Association was held at the Father Matthew Hall last night. The president of the association, Mr. T.J. O'Brien, presided over a large attendance. Mr. O'Brien, president of the association, gave an outline of the activities of the association since it was formed and said that the unemployed had been organised in Dublin since last October and he thought the headline that they put would be of some use to them. They did not pledge themselves to any political body but to the unemployed of Cork and they would not allow any politics to be introduced into their discussions. An attack had been made to, to him at a meeting in Cork. Certain individuals alleged certain things about him and these individuals wanted to stampede him and his association. He wanted every decent unemployed man in the city to become a member of the associations. Remarks had been made that he was not hungry. Thank God he was not. He might be slightly better off than most of them. There had been a, a breach of their ranks and they would have to close that breach up. He would appeal to them be, to become organised and he would guarantee to them, while at the moment they not but night but be able to do a whole lot, he did not see any reason why they could not do something in future. The secretary, Mr. M.F. O'Driscoll, said at a meeting in Cork during the week, he was attacked as well as members of the executive. He had heard of a rumour that was prevalent in the city that he was absconding with the funds of this association. And on that particular day, he was engaged with the president in fighting the, for the rights of the unemployed. He had worked late and early for the organisation. He would ask them to pass a vote of confidence in the entire executive. And if they did not do that, they would have to pass a vote of censure. That was the position. A vote of confidence in the executive was being passed by those assembled. The president said he was thankful of the vote of confidence they had passed in them, and he could assure them that the confidence was not be not be misplaced. The secretary also thanked the men um, and mentioned they could inspect the books of the association at any time they close or chose. So you get from that, there's obviously um, certain people objecting to the association um, because of, and you know, setting out rumours of, you know, they're only in it for themselves, they're going to run away with the money and stuff. Um, so certain, obviously, business elements within the city uh, were uncomfortable with the association. You get an idea um, also that because, you know, there's a fear of um, unemployed groups, you know, that they could be influenced by 
communists and so on, and that they, I suppose, unreligious, uncatholic and so on. And speaking at the Opera House Cork last night towards the close of a concert programme given in aid of the Fund for the Relief of Distress in the City, Right Reverend Monsignor Sexton, in thanking the artists, made a striking reference to attempts by outsiders to mislead the unemployed. When, said the Dean, we see our own Cork standing up to the difficulties we have at the present moment, we have a little reason to be proud of this little city of ours. Cork is a very small place, but it has very big hearts, and we can manage our own little affairs. And this crisis now going on with the greatest possible ease, and I do say we don't want anybody to be butting in on top of us. What I mean is we have a lot of unemployed in Cork, a great number. They are being absorbed slowly but surely, and there is a very fine unemployed association run by Cork men who we know. We don't want another association to come in here headed by people of whom we know nothing at all. There is an association trying to get in here. They don't want to get work for our workers, but want to get their heads split. When they do come in, I don't know whether it will be the unemployed will have their head, head split or the people who come in here. It is a most disgusting thing that at the present moment we have so many unemployed in Ireland. The opportunity should be taken by people with no love for Ireland or its traditions to try to butt into places like Cork. It is a thing I don't understand, but it is up to us Cork people to deal with it. We can manage our own affairs in Cork. I don't claim to have the Doyle here in Cork or to have TDs living their lives here, but I do say to any strangers that are not going to come into Cork to kick up a row in our city, when we are quite capable of running our own business of helping the men and women who need help from us. We have magnificent confraternities and organisations of magnificent Irishmen and all magnificent Catholics and Christians, and we are not going to let our city be turned into a, a bear garden by any handful of strangers and the poor men they may lead to their destruction. Everybody up in the gods will agree with that. So you can see the church is nervous of outside influences coming in and uh, stirring up the unemployed in, um, in Cork. And in the same vein, Cork unemployed, repudiation of communist remarks. At the weekly meeting of the Executive Council of the Cork Unemployed Able Bodies Men's Association, Mr. T.J. O'Brien, Chairman, presided. Reference was made to a meeting which had been held the previous week near the Labour Exchange and addressed by an individual who made disparaging remarks regarding the hierarchy and clergy. Mr. D. Corcoran stated it was very, very creditable to the association to have a secretary who courageously jumped onto the platform and asked the crowd not to listen to speeches defaming the good name of our church dignitaries and thereby removing the impression created amongst the public that the association were behind the spasmodic meeting. Having discussed the report of the conference which took place between the public representatives and the delegates from the association, the meeting then resolved itself into committee. So you can see there, um, obviously there are people trying to take advantage of the unemployed association, um, but they're not being, uh, they're not being let. They also issued a statement later um, 
that we protest in the most emphatic terms against the attempt that is being made by communist agitators to drag the unemployed workers into communist organisations. We denounce and repudiate all communistic activities and any communistic representatives who claim to speak on behalf of the workers of Cork. We only demand for every citizen, whatever, whether employed or unemployed, the right to live. We do not want charity. We are anxious for work. So in 1933, there were municipal elections and in Cork, the Cork Unemployed um, Association were running two candidates. Municipal elections, claims of Cork unemployed candidates. The first public meeting in connection with the forthcoming municipal elections was held at Blackpool Bridge last night when the two unemployed candidates, Mr. Dennis Long and William Pilo, spoke to a large gathering. The candidates stressed the point that if the unemployed cause was to be won in the city or if the unemployed demand for work or ample maintenance was to be listened to, they should have their representatives. Increased house assistance would be pressed for and houses for the working men would be demanded at from one and six to two per week. Farm labourers, says Mr. Pilo, can have bosses for can have houses for one one shilling a week upwards, and why cannot working men have houses for two shilling per week? Another plank on the unemployed platform was that all corporation work would be done by local and direct labour said the speakers, and an appeal was made to the sympathetic gathering to ensure that the unemployed of the city would win representation in the Municipal Council on the 27th polling day. Dennis Long and William Pilo are the two candidates for the Cork Unemployed um, Association. They campaigned and had some, uh, a number of large meetings However, they failed to capture the voting, uh, the Cork voting public's imagination. And in those 1933 local elections, um, Dennis Long polled 39 votes and Mr. Pilo polled 27 votes. So not a, um, not a great showing at all. During that period, Cork um, Corporation was elected. It's a bit like some of the UK councils in that I think there were seven seats elected each year. So rather than electing the whole lot at once, it was done, a section of them were done every year. Um, so basically there was local elections every year. So in 1935, in the local elections, the candidature of unemployed party. Three largely attended meetings were held at various parts of the city in furtherance of the candidature of Mr. Daniel G. Buckley by the Cork Unemployed Organisation. At Timber Cross, Mr. G. Quilligan said the duty of the unemployed of Cork City on polling day was to vote for their candidate, Mr. Daniel G. Buckley, who was a sincere worker on behalf of the city unemployed and who would endeavour to see that justice was meted out uh, to them if successful in the election. Mr Murphy said Mr Buckley was worthy of the support of the citizens of Cork and he appealed for his election on the day of the polls. 
Mr. Daly also spoke in favour of the candidate and referred to the thousands of young unemployed men tramping the streets of Cork at present and unable to procure work. Mr. Daniel G. Buckley, the candidate, outlined the policy of the Cork City Unemployed and asked the people for their votes on its honesty alone and not to vote for him if they considered his policy unfair. Work, not charity, was what they demanded. The provision of houses for the poor at reasonable rents and the total abolishment of the slums. Local men should get first preference on any local work which was in progress. He said that men were coming into Cork every day, obtaining employment here, and city men were left idle. The ratepayers and shopkeepers should see that they employed only city men who would spend their wages in the city. The corporation bylaw regarding the employment of local labour on relief schemes was not being enforced by the corporation. He himself and a deputation from the Cork City Unemployed had gone to the new sewerage scheme and demanded the employment of Cork men only on the job. They succeeded in getting six local men employed and they had also got another local man employed on the new silo. He spoke also of the injustices of charging is to a to a poor family if one of them was removed to hospital in the Cork Corporation ambulance. He intended to do all in his power to remedy such flagrant injustices as these. Meetings were also held at Counties Field and Corn Market Street and the people were asked to vote for the candidate. A special general meeting of the Cork City Unemployed was held in SS Peter and Paul's Hall. A large number of Cork unemployed were present and the candidate for the municipal elections, Mr. Daniel G. Buckley, was present and addressed the, addressed the meeting. The chairman, Mr. J. Quilligan, outlined the programme for the elections and gave an account of the work carried out up to the present. He said he had received great encouragement on their campaign and he felt confident of the success of their candidate on polling day. The candidate, Mr. D. G. Buckley, said that he was very pleased at the large number of men present and thanked the members for their attendance. He was glad to see that the unemployed were coming together at last and he felt confident of their future success. He had told the people of Cork the truth regarding the conditions of the unemployed and their dependence in this election campaign. His policy was local men for local jobs, more focus on reasonable rents, and everything else would be of benefit to the unemployed of Cork. They did not believe in politics. Their only flag was the table and their home. Under the, this flag, they intended to fight. And in that election, uh, Daniel J. Buckley uh, polled 1,477 votes, coming forth and uh, winning a seat. So the unemployed movement in Cork now had a councillor and around this time as well they kind of became known as the unemployed party as opposed to the unemployed association so we get a report of some of their actions later on in the year houses picketed the provision of new houses eviction action in cork a very large crowd of people assembled at st paul's avenue cork this morning where nine or ten families were to be evicted from two condemned houses. The residents of both houses had removed most of their furniture, but subsequently replaced it. 
Shortly after 11am, a large body of men belonging to the Cork Unemployed Party marched to the scene, accompanied by their president, Councillor G.G. Buckley. Councillor Buckley spoke to the families of both houses and assured them that he would endeavour to secure alternative accommodation for them. He later made a short speech and exhorted the members of the party to picket the homes, houses. A picket of about 10 men was then formed and a banner bearing the inscription The Cork Unemployed Party Will Not Stand for Evictions was carried by the one man. The scene was visited by the sheriff and his officers during the morning, but no action was taken. The houses concerned were condemned some time ago on the ground that they were in dangerous condition. There was a series of protest marches in early 1936. Another protest demonstration in Cork. The second protest march by the Cork City Unemployed Party within the past few days took place through the principal streets of the city yesterday. Over 400 men and boys took part in the procession which was led by Mr D.G. Buckley and a number of pipers. A meeting was held at the Grand Parade of which Mr Buckley addressed an exceptionally large gathering. He said they had marched through the city that morning to protest strongly against the act recently passed by their own government to effect that if men were unemployed for three years or over, they were generally supposed not to be seeking for work, and their assistance was subsequently withdrawn. A large number of civic guards and detectives were on duty on the Grand Parade, but proceedings were orderly. So you get the idea that here they're protesting because... If somebody had uh, been unemployed for three years, their uh, benefit was uh, withdrawn. And just this from a report of their of their annual meeting, Councillor D. G. Buckley stressed the need for solid cooperation and stern action amongst the unemployed in the party for the coming year. The unemployed party he said would see that on all future schemes, first preference of work should be given to men residing in the city. And the, he emphasised the fact that no employer of labour would be allowed to employ outside workers as long as men who were capable of doing the work remained unemployed in the city. The unemployed party, Mr Buckley continued, would demand that food, clothing and the requirements of life in any Christian society would be given as a right to each and every citizen and would seek to eliminate the appalling slum conditions which prevailed in Cork City. The unemployed party would see that the city buses, cinemas and dance halls would be bought under the control of the municipal authorities, which would utilise them to serve the best interests of the people. At present, he said, most of the monies taken in by these places was flowing out of the city and country, but if controlled municipally, would flow into the Treasury of Cork Corporation and lessen the abnormally high rates to half what they were at present, and would create an amount of employment for unemployed workers in the way of public works and schemes. Now, as I said, elections took place annually um, to Cork Corporation. And in 1936, Cork City Unemployed Party, at a delegate meeting of the Cork City Unemployed Party, held at headquarters, Mr Daniel Corcoran was selected as the candidate to represent the Unemployed Party in the forthcoming elections, as the one best fitted to carry out its programme. The President, Councillor Daniel Gabriel Buckley, wired his approval of the candidate and his consent to act as Director of Elections. So they're putting up another candidate this year to see if they can get a second councillor onto Cork City Council or Cork Corporation. 
So there was a report of one of the rallies where of the Cork City Unemployed Party and Mr Corcoran said he was going forward on the same policy as that on which the party's president, Mr Buckley, had been elected last year. Politics should not be tolerated in public life. Mr Buckley said he badly needed somebody to strengthen his voice and the voice of Cork's unemployed in the council chamber and he appealed to those present to vote for Mr Corcoran. Now in that election, um, Mr Corcoran polled 698 votes and wasn't elected in 12th in the uh, contest. Uh, 698 decent vote but you know there weren't, uh, he wasn't in contention for a seat. In 1938, uh, there, there was a Doyle election and the unemployed party held a convention and selected DG Buckley to run. He was listed as a candidate and everything and however, he withdrew just before the general election. Earlier on in the, that year, um, that they had uh, applied to uh, the electoral register to register the unemployed party in the register of nominating bodies of the Senate electoral panel, the new and this is a new thing. Speaking to the motion, Mr. D. McCarthy, General Secretary of the Cork Unemployed Party, said that the party represented a large section of the poor of the city of Cork and were the only section of the community to whom all representatives looked for support in times of representation in the Doyle and Corporation of Cork. They had members in every inch of Ireland, including a great many across the border and in England and Scotland. The unemployed were strictly non-political who believed in no flag or banner, but in security for all concerned. They functioned purely as a body to protect the interests of all unemployed and to see that no family or individual would be evicted from their homes because of the harsh and unjust policy of landlords. They were the worst off section of the people of Ireland and he thought it only fair and just that the claims of the unemployed party for representation in the new Shannon which was to be non-political, should be recognised immediately. Needless to say, it wasn't recognised. The group continued on their campaigns. One, for instance, was uh, to do with the recruitment of labour for relief schemes um, from the corporation uh, for roads and footpaths at Spangle Hill. There was complaints made about unemployed men being refused entrance into certain branches of the ITGWU and they were told the sections were full. So that was, uh, that was something that they tried to combat as well. And in the 1943 general election, DG Buckley was nominated to run in the election. And he, he was listed as unemployed interests um, unemployed Association rather than the Unemployed Party. Mr Sean Coughlin, Chairman and Director of Elections, writes, kindly correct a statement that Alderman G.G. Buckley was standing as an independent candidate in the forthcoming Doyle election. He is going forward as a representative of the Unemployed of Cork. He, although not registered, he's still going forward as an unemployed candidate. One of the things, um, aside from the unemployed, 
issues was that um, Buckley campaigned on in 1943 was the question as to whether they were in favour of an income tax levy. He, basically, he was in favour of an income tax levy on Oireachtas members' allowances, which was quite an issue back then. And on polling day, Daniel Buckley polled 859 votes in Corkborough and failed, you know, uh, failed to win a seat. And in 1945, uh, Buckley resigned from the council. And we were back to, to normal um, elections, opposed to kind of staged elections of a number of candidates every year. And Buckley retired from the council and no other unemployed candidate was put forward. So that was the end of the Cork Unemployed Association, the Cork Unemployed Party. Um, in their electoral guise, they, they carried on for a few years, but, 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 but withered away. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks to everybody who subscribed to the podcast. Please leave reviews and share on social media any episodes you may find of interest. And don't forget, there's loads of other episodes there. Thanks especially to those who subscribe to the Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash electionlit and supports both the podcast and, of course, the website as well. And indeed, thanks.